The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome into Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and we're unfortunately wrapping up the season on the best of the week this week. We've got out of structure, as they discussed, the collapse against Cincinnati Bengals on the editor show around the 16-minute mark. We have marinated takeaways from the game. We'll continue with the Great British Chiefs show around the 27-minute mark. Tom Childs and Rocky Magana joins as a special guest. They relive the pain it's a sad episode here we continue with coast to coast off-season moves and potential free agent signings for these chiefs that's around the 38 minute mark and we'll finish up with show and bk on the chiefs wrapping up the season around the 48 minute mark again as we usually do we'll start with out of structure this is our head pride's best of the week is effectiveness and how that ranks historically um but it is it is two completely different players in the first half and the second half. The Mahomes that we saw last week against Buffalo, that we saw in the first week, or the first half of this game, completely disappeared. And and none of us can explain it, but we can talk about it. Yeah, you're right. There were some crazy stats. Uh, Shield Capati of the Athletic had the one about he had the it was the second half was like the lowest EPA per play of Mahomes' career in a in a game or in a span of of time, I guess. But another one was from ESPN Stats and Info. Patrick Mahomes QBR by half Sunday. First half was a 98. And this is on a scale of 100 QBR. So he had a 98 QBR in the first half of this game. Second half, 1.4. Second half in overtime, I should say. 1.4 QBR. It's the largest gap in a player's QBR by half in the playoffs since QBR tracking began in 2006. So that shows you that. I mean, that's the definition of a collapse in. That's where we'll get into some of these questions where, you know, maybe let's start big picture stags. I think it, it might be, you know, interesting to, to ask right now from at big time attacks. Do you think Mahomes is on the same career path as Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? How scared should we be of that stags that he turned, you know, it, it this turns into talent not turning into uh, as many Super Bowl rings as, as for somebody that won early in their career like Rodgers and Wilson did. Yeah, I mean, that I think that should be a concern. Uh, I hate to be you know, too dramatic about it. Uh, Mahomes has been, had a phenomenal start to his, his career. And I think maybe we got ahead of ourselves a little bit with Mahomes. And I, I put this in an article, <clears throat> excuse me, on airheadpride.com. Uh, it's a, the winners and losers piece that I did last night. 
I think it's fair to say that Mahomes is is inconsistent as a player. That he's he's got the highest highs, but at his worst, he's he's mediocre or worse. And 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 so when you look at a career path, is he Rodgers or Wilson? You know, versus somebody like Tom Brady. I, I think I threw out the comparison last night that he might be Brett Favre and not Tom Brady. You know, somebody who has got high highs and low lows, and that was the scouting report on him coming out of college. And we all, you know, saw the highs and believed in him. And then there's been so much high over the last few years. But all of a sudden, we're starting to stack up some lows. There were some some moments that that didn't come out the right way. One or two you can explain off as an anomaly. <clears throat> but there may be a pattern now on, on tape, on the record, for Mahomes of not always coming up in, in the biggest game. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. So I think inconsistency is the word that I keep coming back to is that he's not a perfect quarterback. He is going to have bad games. He can't do it all on his own. Now, as we, we learned last year in the Super Bowl, he can't do it all on his own. This year we learned that he's prone to bad games, and he had them throughout the season, and he had half a one just now in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think the thing going into this game that I, I kept saying, whether I was on 610 uh, with Jay Binkley or just any, you know, our channel or anything, the thing I kept coming back to was that even though Mahomes, Mahomes has had stretches of inconsistency throughout his career, it just never seems to happen when it truly, really matters. It always seems to correct itself by the time he's playing in the postseason. He's really never had that bad of a postseason start besides the Super Bowl last year. You can also say maybe the first half of the 2018 AFC Championship when they couldn't get anything going offensively. So, it, I mean, it's kind of similar to that game, I guess, in terms of the second half they were on fire. It's just reversed this time, right, where the first half they're on fire, second half it flipped. Um, but I do want to get into, like, Kyle at Fidgets808's question about, you know, Mahomes' scrambling ability because I do think it was kind of strange to me that he was so willing to and so good at scrambling through the pocket, up in front of the pocket, kind of getting the yards where they were needed against Buffalo last week. But this week, and it goes into another question we have from at typical terror. Why did Mahomes run all crazy behind the line, but never forward? I think there was a little bit of Mahomes just kind of panicking in terms of pocket presence again. And I, I we saw it earlier in the season and I thought we got it all worked out, but he has not seen, like I mentioned earlier, he has not seen eight man, eight man coverages like that as much. And, for some reason, he he did not think it was the right move to be uh, moving forward and kind of running forward and stepping up in the pocket to get scrambles. He was really going back to trying to escape backwards and trying to run around, you know, to the outside of the tackles. And it was just kind of that is a little discouraging. It's just it just kind of makes me think that the pressure got to Mahomes a little bit and he just tried to, you know, do a little too much. And and instead of just playing within the rhythm like we've talked about all the second half of the of the season, he kind of resorted back to trying to do too much again when he saw a defense he wasn't necessarily maybe comfortable with seeing. And now we're going to hear all offseason about how eight-man coverage is the way to beat Patrick Mahomes. You can't wait for that conversation all year. Yeah, it was the indecisiveness that I thought was was really striking that Mahomes last week and Mahomes in the first half plays in rhythm, decisive strikes, throwing on time, throwing into tight coverage, but but with good ball placement and, and, and velocity – he's able to beat tight coverage and he's been able to do that his whole career. But when he's bad, when he's had off games, when he's had off halves, like he just had, it's because he's indecisive. It feels like he's trying to avoid a turnover. 
and he's taken too much time going through too many reads in his head. And, and there is a little bit of that panic factor. And I don't know why that started all of a sudden against the Bengals. I don't think he was under that much duress. You know, he, he took some sacks, but most of those were very, very, very late in the play clock for that particular play. And it was a, you know, it was a situation where you could say that those were his fault. So as uh, Da Broken Derek on Twitter asked, what was wrong with Pat? Seriously? I, I don't know what was wrong with Pat, but it's a pattern we've seen a little bit with him. It's not always, but every once in a while, when it feels like he's trying to avoid an interception and he plays more timid and he feels more pressure than is there, he's not as good of a quarterback. And, and I, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. It's, you know, every great quarterback, you know, no great quarterback has been perfect. Everyone's had flaws. You know, every quarterback has kind of a way to beat him. Right. And, and I think the special part about Mahomes is always that it seemed like whenever there was a, a team that thought they figured out how to beat him, he always would come back and counter that. And this is, that's going to be what happens this time. Right. It, you know, this isn't, we're not, <laughs> no one should be going like, Oh shoot. Is Mahomes not as good as we thought? Mahomes is still, the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. It's just he's not perfect. He's not perfect in these moments. No quarterback has ever won every single time they've gone to the playoffs and, and never had a stinker. And this is one of Mahomes' worst stinkers. And, you know, you get a question from, like, at John Diddy 321 has Mahomes just become a gimmick sideshow quarterback, or has he proven that? Um, yeah, no, it, you don't get you don't go to four straight AFC championships and host all four uh, by being a sideshow quarterback. Um, there are bad games that happen, guys, and and he's still he's still as great as as we think. He's just maybe not perfect, and no one should have expected him to be perfect. But I I do think he was to an extent perfect in big moments up to this point. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. And you're right. I mean, I think that doubt can creep in at this point. You can see some logic behind people worrying about Mahomes. And saying that, hey, is is he just not who we thought he was? Um, in another question from from Nautical Demon, does he rely too much on magic in big games? I would say that's a possibility, but I think also the team may be relying too much on his magic in big games, yeah. thinking that you know if things aren't going well, uh, if we're sort of coasting, or or if you know maybe the sense of urgency didn't feel like it was there for a lot of the offense, for a lot of that second half, because they just knew at some point Mahomes would turn it on, he'd make the big play, and, and the Chiefs would win the game. Uh, and so I don't know if he's relying too much on his his magic ability or his clutch ability, but, but I think maybe the team is relying on him a little bit too much. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I do. I think, uh, you know, at some point, Andy, you got to help out your, your quarterback a little more in those situations when you do feel like he is getting a little more panicked. That's why we talk about running the ball. And maybe this is a quick way. I know we're, we're you know, we want to get to a break real quick, but maybe it's a quick way to bring up some of these running game questions in the second half. You know, uh, I'm, I'm just going to count out you guys, shout out you guys for answering the because you are asking the questions because you guys all ask the exact same question. Why didn't we run the ball in the second half one way or another? Allison Schumann uh, at the Jordan Rourke on Twitter. Uh, next year, Chiefs at BTCEATA. Uh, not Colin Coward at Chiefs Homer 6969 asking why didn't the Chiefs commit to running the ball? Unbelievable, he says. Nathan King also asked a similar question. So, yeah, I, I do think there was something to the Chiefs needing to help Mahomes out. By using their offensive line, this powerful, strong offensive line that can blow guys off the ball, that can grade open holes, just trust them a little more than you did. I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to see the Chiefs become a run-dominant team. 
But I just do think, as you saw the second half go, Mahomes just, you could tell, just wasn't comfortable with what he was seeing. The coaches should see that the Bengals are starting to adjust and play more eight-man coverages, which obviously, you know, if they're not, you know, that that should kind of lend to maybe running the ball more. I think that's more of a, a situational thing where maybe the coaches need to understand, all right, this is a good time to take the ball out of Mahomes' hands a little bit. Maybe even, maybe it helps him settle in a little more for the second half. Um, but no, they just, they, they, and the RPO. And, and here's one thing real quick. I tweeted this out. That interception Mahomes had, it was an RPO. He forced the pass option. He should have handed it off, but it, it, the pass option wasn't there, but he forced it anyway. And that's why, you know, if, if, D, if the defensive tackle wasn't intercepting, that linebacker was about to. So it was a really bad play. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Take the decision out of Mahomes' hands in these situations where it does seem like maybe, you know, he could use some help. Just run the ball. Don't make it an RPO. Don't make it a pass option. Just run the ball. I do think there, there deserves to be some gripes with how the Chiefs, you know, because they were running the heck out of the ball, man. Jarek McKinnon and Clyde averaged 5.8 yards per carry together, totaled 100 yards together. Um, I, I do think there is something to that, Stags. Yeah, there is, and I think some of it always comes down to the flow of the game and and how your your play calling is affected by by the you know defense and by just where they are in the score and the clock and all of these things, right? But you're right when every play or too many plays or RPOs, then you're putting your offensive line in a tough spot because typically on an RPO, the, the offensive line is going to run block, but they can't get too far ahead of themselves. They can't get past the line of scrimmage uh, in order to risk that ineligible man downfield. So they're run blocking, they're sort of pass blocking, uh, and they're kind of waiting to see what happens before they can really get on the move or really put their head down and, and do what they're supposed to do. You do have a tremendous run blocking offensive line. You've got two backs that are more than capable of carrying the load. Uh, you know, again, Clyde had six six yards of carry. McKinnon had five point four this game, but they didn't get a lot of carries. And you know, for whatever reason, whether that was not enough designed runs or too many of the RPOs where Mahomes took the pass option instead of instead of the run option, um, you know, I think. You've got to look at the counterpunch. There's there's so many – there's nothing in the NFL that beats everything, right? It's like playing poker. It, it, unless you're talking about a royal flush, every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser, as the old song goes. Every play in the NFL, every defense has a weakness that can be exploited. Every offense has a weakness that can be exploited. And it's just a matter of, of punch and counterpunch. And when the defense's uh, punch is that they're going to drop everybody into coverage – and drop deep and make Mahomes, you know, panic, then Mahomes has got to run the ball. The the, the Chiefs have got to hand the ball off. You got to throw screen passes or whatever it takes to to move the ball in the weakness of the defense. And if they change it up again, then you got to be ready to change again. I saw a lot of criticism for the coaching staff for not adjusting as this game went on. And and I think those are valid. And I think there's also some criticism of Mahomes that, that are valid there to say this is what they're doing. This is their punch. What's our counter punch going to be? Whether it's the running game, whether it's Mahomes running more, whether it's, uh, you know, different passes, different spots. We talked about it in the cover two, when the cover two is the big thing. We, where's the weakness of the cover two? It's up the seam. It's in those intermediate throws on the sidelines. There are holes where you can beat every kind of defense. And for whatever reason, they're not quick enough to adjust, whether it's coaching or quarterback or some combination of the two. 
You said it best, Stags. You really did. And and we have more questions about just big picture stuff and everything. So let's get to those. We're going to get to a break right now. They'll let our sponsors get their word in. And we will be right back with more questions from Twitter. Welcome back, Chiefs fans, to the Out of Structure podcast. Thank you for sticking with us on this difficult day to discuss Chiefs football after a heartbreaking loss, a tremendous collapse. Ron, we tried to give last week's game a nickname. Everybody was talking about the 13-second game uh, last week against the Buffalo Bills. I saw someone throw it out there, but is this the Mahomes meltdown? Is that the, is that the name of this game, or is there is there another way to describe this one in a catchy phrase that we'll remember for a long time? You know what? As as you know, awful as that's going to be to hear all the time, mate. Potentially, if that is, I like that actually, kind of the Mahomes meltdown or the meltdown of Mahomes or something, because. I mean, it really was the first time he's truly just collapsed like that. I, I would like to work the word collapse in there because I think that's more of what a meltdown is a little slower, right? A little, uh, I don't know, collapse. I think collapse is just kind of everything just going at once. And I do feel like it was more like the whole floor just absolutely, you know, coming out from under him and, and call it the call that the Cincy collapse, or the Cincinnati collapse. What do you, what do you think? I think I like that too. Yeah. I, I, it'd be nice to have this hard C so we could really get that alliteration going. But uh, no, I, I, I do think meltdown collapse, uh, any word that describes something completely coming undone, unraveling uh, is very appropriate for this. Back here on the Arrowhead pride editor show, we're 45, 46 minutes in, and we are now getting to our marinated takeaways from this game. Womp, womp, womp. If you want to have a good rest of your day, just, just, just shut us off and, and go on and enjoy. <laughs> but if you wanna, if you wanna stay and talk a little bit more about this twenty-seven to twenty-four AFC title loss, we have some marinated takeaways. John, the last time in the twenty-twenty-one season, let's go to you. It's a close game. You know that's what I keep coming back to. Yeah, is how nearly this game could have gone the other way. That was true of the Bills game of t- two, of course. And, uh, you know, the the really frustrating thing, I think, for a lot of fans to soak up was winning the coin toss and then uh, giving up that interception. And it wasn't even Mahomes' fault, really, uh, other than throwing into double coverage. Um, that was a, a, one of those things you just can't expect to happen and you can't really blame on the quarterback. But, man, you never want, ever to give up an interception on the first drive of overtime. I mean, that is like the one thing that you don't ever want to do in the NFL is to give up a turnover in the overdrive. Especially giving, giving bills fans an opportunity to say that Patrick Mahomes threw an interception 13 seconds into overtime and, and having some fun with that. I, I actually have exactly the opposite marinated takeaway and I'll explain. My thing is it wasn't a close game. And what I mean mm. by that is this game script, I, I think if it was more like the Buffalo Bills game, maybe Patrick Mahomes and this offense doesn't have a chance to get out of sync. I think there was a shift in mentality when they were up 21 to three. And I just think that it, there was a feel in the building. I was there and there was a feel in the press box. I was feeling it. I'm like, my God, should I book my fight to L.A.? Like, is it you know what I mean? And then. I don't know. There just were, were little moments where things started to tip and you started to feel like, OK, there was a sense of momentum completely shifting. And I just think if it was a closer game instead of 21 to three, like let's say when the P Ryan touchdown happens, that ties the game. 
I just don't know how it plays out in the second half. I just think it was the Chiefs building up. There's a little bit of that coast, a little bit, and I don't know if you can get that mm-hmm. type of energy back. I also know that there's very clearly some X's and O's to this, whereas the Buffalo, or I should say the Cincinnati Bengals in the second half completely changed their game plan in the sense to kind of play Mahomes into that hero ball, which he mm-hmm. fell into, and it ended up being a disaster. But I just think the feel of the game is different. Like, say it is a closer game, and and the, the Bengals and the Chiefs do go blow for blow in the first half. Do the Bengals in the second half make that many defensive adjustments, radical defensive adjustments? I don't probably know, not. right? Yeah. And if the mm-hmm. Chiefs and 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 maybe they end up pulling it out in an overtime game as opposed to what was A team has the whole momentum, then B suddenly has it and they just ride it all the way home. I I don't know. And again, I <laughs> said it 700 times on this damn show. Uh, we're talking in so many hypotheticals, but I just I have a hard time getting away from the fact of and if the Bengals were playing a little bit better in the first half, did the Chiefs win? I know that's such a weird thing to say, <laughs> but that's kind of how I feel. Well, well, uh, we've talked about that before, about how you can't afford to piss Patrick off. Yeah. You know, that 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 drive to come back uh, really is a big piece of what's made him successful. I'll 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 jump on your train here, Pete. Let me let me just try this okay. one on you. Suppose the Bengals were thinking that that was one of their options to try and lure Mahomes into Hero Ball. Yeah. And then with five seconds left in the half, Mahomes goes there on his own. He right. talks Andy Reid into leaving the offense out there when they don't have another timeout, which he apparently didn't realize. I know. And he he instead of doing the smart thing, run around right end for a touchdown, or if it was an RPO hand off the damn ball, he tries to throw a pass to Tyreek Hill and they get neither a touchdown or a field goal. So now the Bengals are walking down the tunnel into their locker room and they're saying, geez. Mm-hmm. We should do this. Look what just happened when Patrick Mahomes was trying to play hero ball. Or maybe it occurred to them any after that. I mean, maybe that was why the momentum shifted so much in that moment. I have two comparisons coming to mind. It's like when you're around one, and I guess John would be your grandchildren and me. It's just like my niece or nephew. And they tell a joke that makes all the adults laugh. And they tell the joke for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> or, or like when I'm playing pickup basketball in the park and I happen to make like two or three threes in a row, I am jacking them up the rest of the game. I think <laughs> Mahomes was like, I'm out of my way with this freaking defense. And I, it, it's like, he could not shake that in the second mm. half for one reason or another. All right. Do you have yeah. any more merited takeaways from this, John? I really had trouble coming up with any. You mentioned that it was hard to do this in a loss. And well, no, it sometimes it, but but in a deflating loss particularly. I mean, you know, we've all been talking about it for several days. I, I I'm having trouble come up with anything new. In fact, uh, the thing that I just mentioned to you is the only thing I've come up new. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, this idea that maybe Mahomes led them down that path with the last play before halftime. You know, I, I I don't know. It's crazy. It's just it was a crazy situation on so many levels. I think, and and this is just a grand takeaway about Patrick Mahomes. I think this is hard for Chiefs fans to wrap their head around now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you can make a case that Mahomes, and this is a this is a case to be made, and and we'll see if it plays out that way. You can also make a case the other way, but there's a case to be made that this year, and 
by an extension, this game can make him a more successful quarterback in the long run, right? right. Because now you can always think about to, to this year and say, they're going to be constantly changing up looks for me every game to try to take advantage of what I'm not yep. doing well at the mm-hmm. time. I have to be well in every aspect. I need to be good about taking and making the right decision. If it is an RPO at the line, handing it off, I need to be making the right decision, whether it's dishing it to what is a check down or throwing downfield. I need to know when my decision-making has to be better. So you saw that in the season, he went through a lot of struggles yeah. at the beginning of the year, worked his way through it. And then, and I know this is reality. He had a grand relapse in the AFC title game. Probably could have been better coached. That's on the offensive staff. I think Andy Reid deserves a piece of that. Mm-hmm. I also I also feel like, okay, um, Mahomes certainly does, and he, he could learn a lot from the game of like, you know, just staying with the game plan. And and now he's seen those coverages and he's seen how a team can make second half adjustments and how it can impact them. He's got to know that 21 3, he now knows forever. That's not enough to take any kind of foot mm-hmm. off the gas or to feel like you won something or to feel like you need to to play this hero ball. I, I think that can be taken from it. And then I, I think this is to a lesser extent because I think you're, you're blaming the offense. You can't score three points in the AFC title game and expect to win it. But I think that the defense needed to play better as well. I mean, you had five possessions. I know they got a turnover in it, you know, and the interception. And you really felt like, OK, now the Snead turnover is the, the changing point of the game. Right. They allowed points on three of, of five possessions and allowed the Bengals to take a lead. When your offense is struggling, like we saw suddenly, I think you got to you got to stand up. Now, I think every Chiefs fan, to be fair to the de- defense, would have said, now, I would take 24 to 27 points. I, I feel pretty good about our offense, the way they played against the sure. Buffalo Bills, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sure. the defense owns a piece of it too. Uh, I yeah. think the greatest piece probably goes to Mahomes for not being able to mentally kind of get back into the game. But I, I, I think, like I said, hard to fathom now, but there is a mm-hmm. scenario where the chiefs and especially Mahomes are better for this having happened. And there's also, 175 well, days until training camp so that's that's the hard part of it look look what happened after the 2018 game you right. know uh mahomes came back super motivated he played in a lot of ways better in 2019 than he did in 2018 even though he didn't put up all the gaudy numbers but yeah. the team was totally motivated after that loss in the afc championship in 2018 who's to say that can't happen again and i'd also like to point out because I spent some time researching the, the Patriots, you know, 18 yeah. year span, uh, you know, there was another game where uh, somebody lost an AFC championship after late le- uh, leading 21 to three at halftime. It was the new England Patriots. And the next year they went 16 and zero in the oh, regular wow. season. So now they didn't win the Super Bowl that year. Okay. But, they came out and played brilliantly the following season after that experience. So I don't know that, that, you know, there's a lot of things that could change on this team. Okay. But the people who are coming back are not going to forget what happened to them on Sunday. And that could be a, it could be an important factor next season. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're through the collapse. We've talked about some of the marinated takeaways. We continue this pity party with the Great British Chief Show. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. Would you rather last year's team repeat or Mahomes win it in his rookie year? I'm taking away last year because that was a head-to-head in the Super Bowl and not a championship, AFC championship game to get to the Super Bowl. I think we would have won if we would that year if we would have made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I'm taking away last year especially because it was here where I live in Tampa. So I was here in the town and I have to hear about it all the time about how the bucks beat the chiefs in the super bowl. So I would literally probably, I mean, I'd give you, I'd chop off my left arm and just hand it to you to take back that chiefs loss in the super bowl. I suppose that had more of um, a knock on effect into this season as well, because everyone saw what could happen with um, that offensive line and whether you get, pressure with four you can see what happens to the Chiefs and that kind of rolled into this season and affected the season early on um but I'm I'm guy Brady's retired I'm not gonna lie uh I am a fan I am a fan of Brady I can hear people switching off and saying I've had enough of this guy already but um I am a big Brady fan and um I'm a little bit guide I'm not gonna lie and I wish him all the I wish him the best of luck in his retirement I'm sure he's going to be on our screens before we know it as an analyst, and um, yeah, he's quite an entertaining guy. I put he's, he's in the sort of mold to Peyton Manning, he's quite funny himself, so yeah, I expect to see Brady sometime soon. Right, that leads us on to our next conversation. So, Mahomes was in a prime position to put himself into his third Super Bowl in three years on Sunday night when the Chiefs were leading the Cincinnati Bengals 21 3, and then we imploded. On Sunday, you got to do the post-game show on, on on Sunday. I do not envy you at all with that one because I think if I got put in front of a mic on Sunday evening, it would have just been not fit for radio at all because I was that angry. How are you feeling three days later after the fact? Are you still just as mad as you were? Getting to do the post-game show is a generous term, Tom. <laughs> you know? <laughs> there's, there's a difference between getting to do something and having to fulfill your responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um uh, uh, three days later, not great, not great at all. Um, I still haven't gone back and watched any game film of it. I haven't listened to any other, you know, around the NFL podcast or national media mm-hmm. talking about the game. Um, I'm kind of at the place where I just want to bury the tape. I know it went wrong, yeah, and I don't like it. It hurts, it hurts because it's one of those things where you know when you were a kid. And you did something bad that you knew you shouldn't have done. And you you knew that you were in trouble and you went to your parents and your mom said, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Yeah. That's, that's how I think the Chiefs fan base feels is that like, 
I'm not really mad at him. I understand, like, I don't think you went out there and lost on purpose. But I'm disappointed that you didn't play to your abilities. I'm disappointed that you didn't just take what was there. Like, you had the game in front of you, and you just didn't take it. And I think that's what hurts, you know? So that's where I'm at. See, I get that point of view about the whole not being mad, but I, I, I am furious. I, I am mad. I, <laughs> I cannot believe that the Chiefs enabled, well, not enabled, they allowed for the exact same game to play out as Week 17 because it was basically the same. Every, every adjustment that the Bengals seemed to make at halftime of Week 17 was the same adjustment they seemed to make on Sunday. And yet, yet again, the Chiefs failed to have a counter for it. We saw it last year against the Bucks in the Super Bowl. We went into Tampa Bay in week 10 of last year, blew them apart in the first half. They changed things up in the second half and they went with a new game plan and they were more solid, to be fair, the Bucks. And so they took that game plan into the Super Bowl and the Chiefs failed to recognise that's what they've done. And that's what, that's what I'm so mad about about this Chiefs team is for as good as they are their plan B plan A is excellent but their plan B is non-existent and that's what we saw an example of on Sunday when shit hit the fan excuse my language the Chiefs failed to make an adjustment and we've seen it far too many times out of Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo and that's where my frustrations like lie. Yes, Mahomes wasn't very good. In fact, he was a big reason why we lost this game. But once again, in a big spot, coaching, but as good as they are in some regards, massively let him down on Sunday. Well, 100%. And Tom, I don't know why you, you insist on doing this to me. I'm sitting here trying to take the high road and say I'm not angry. And you sit here and you list reasons why I'm mad that we lost. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. A hundred percent, yes. Yeah, you had the ball in in the six-yard line, and you don't hand it off once. Like, just run the ball. You were running the ball the whole first half with success, and you didn't run the ball at all. Um, Spagnolo does not learn from his his past mistakes. And like you said, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Yeah. And when the Chiefs got hit in the mouth, they just sat there and looked at you stunned, you know, and just dropped their hands at their side, which is not the sort of thing you see out of a championship quality team if i'm being honest nice. you know that's not something you see out of championship competitors um and the the idea that that our front four they were getting pressure you, that they like they just forgot how to tackle man yeah. like it's nothing difficult like chris jones had joe burrow in his clutches mm-hmm. twice in huge situations you want to be called stone cold sack nation yeah you got to finish those plays then you know you don't get nicknames if you don't finish the play and that's exactly. just how it is exactly well even tony you roman, get back tony roman yeah, pulled ahead. it up in his like game highlights like one of his things was finish joe burrow and i thought that was a bit rude you know to finish no because it said finish off joe burrow and i was thinking that's a bit <laughs> that's a bit blue that's a bit x-rated yeah. there but um yeah. they had opportunities to get the sacks but unfortunately they failed you touched on it a minute ago you you brought up the the end of first half sequence and where do you stand on on that i was personally i was absolutely fine with them going for it uh, on with five seconds to go i thought you had time to give one more shot at the end zone because knowing that an incomplete pass would have resulted in maybe a second being left on the clock and then and then you get the opportunity to 
to go for three points there. So where do you lie on that one? Are you angry with the decision or the play call? Um, honestly, neither. I'm, I'm angry with the decision on the field by Patrick Mahomes because the, the play call, he's supposed to look at it, throw and go, go to the receiver in the end zone. If it's not there, throw it away. And he decided to get greedy and throw it to Tyreek Hill in the flats and try to see if he can make something happen. He thought that he could do that all within five seconds, which you can't. When I saw that play during the game, the first thing that jumped in my mind is that's a Derek Carr play. Like that's a Derek yeah. Carr play through and through. Like it's not smart football. You had receivers in the end zone on that play. If they're not open, you chuck it into the stands and kick the three points and go into and go into the half. But, but why have you it, got? Ty- but why have you got Tyreek Hill anyway? Running, running that route. If Tyreek Hill is your best receiver, he's not your best pass catcher. He's your best receiver. Why isn't he running into the end zone? Why isn't he becoming an option? We've seen Tyreek Kill in the past, who's fairly he's fairly he's a strong boy. He's quite good in contested catches. Yes, he every now and then he he makes an error, balls pop up in the air. But in general, when he has to contest for a catch, he's pretty good at it. So why are we why are we running Tyreek Kill on, on this sweep motion to throw him in the flats? Like that play, as you said, that wasn't an option of the play. Why are we wasting Tyreek Kill in those opportunities? I didn't like the play call personally. I think they should have gone four wide. Just have have Jarek McKinnon in there as uh, pass protection, or even you go if, even if you go empty and just throw a shot immediately. Aim at someone's feet, like we've seen him do with Travis Kelsey in the past. Aim towards his feet, let him go down and get it. If it doesn't come off, that's fine. The ball's dead with two seconds, one second to go, and then we kick the field goal. I just think personally, the knock on effect from from that decision and and that really just like took the wind out the Chiefs' sails at a point when they were absolutely flying. They would have gone into the half 24-10 up at a minimum two scores. They could add to it after the half. Then you're talking 14-17, potentially a 21-point game, and then you'd like to think it was over and done with. But something happened with that particular play call where the Bengals thought that they had that win and it just knocked the Chiefs for six. I've never seen a single play call in a single set of series affect Mahomes and the Chiefs as much as that one uh, series did. Well, because it gave the Bengals the confidence that they belonged and that they were still in the game. Yeah. You know, you know, it made them, you know, that was the victory that they needed. And you don't want a momentum shift, you know, going into half immediately at that, you know, right before halftime. And and with the play call, yeah, you're right. It could have been a better play call. I'm sure if you ask Andy Reid, he he probably would have said that he was using Tyreek Hill as a diversion to draw a defender Mm -hmm. away to open up something. Stop overthinking it. Stop overthinking yeah. it. Go, like you said, I, I much would have preferred four wide, couple quick slants, going going inside. Yeah. If they're not there, then you know have a couple out patterns, something. Just look at them fast. If they're not there, quick hitters, throw the ball away. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Because then at least you get three. You're extending your lead, and if we get that three points. We don't go to overtime. I mean, hindsight's fifty fifty, but we win the game if we just take three there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Brett Veach talked for 45 minutes with reporters. We're putting a bow on the 2021-2022 regular season and postseason. And, man, this is the most in-depth I feel like reporters had gotten with uh, a member of Chiefs Brass. He was very honest about what went wrong in the AFC title game and where Kansas City goes forward. But we'll start with his AFC title game reaction right here. I know most of the narrative and a lot of the dialogue will be about missed opportunities and you know, she's blowing uh, a great opportunity. And, and listen, a lot of that was unforced errors and things that we did. But you have to certainly give 
the Bengals credit, it, it's kind of like a heavyweight fight where, you know, you have a favorite with a big knockout punch and, you know, we came out there and, and, you know, we connected early and, you know, credit to Cincinnati for, you know, just staying patient with their game plan, credit to the coaches and players for getting up off the mat early and, and continuing the fight and taking it to the late rounds and ultimately getting a win for them. And, um, you know, it's easy to look at some of the mistakes we did, but it's also, um, I think, disingenuous to not say that Cincinnati didn't do what they needed to do. And, and that was stay alive in the game and find ways to win. Credit to them, credit to their players. We certainly use this as motivation to get better. And, um, you know, hopefully with another successful offseason, we can put ourselves in a position to play for another championship. So he said it, he said something that you've said earlier in this podcast, Mark. The Chiefs' biggest weakness is, is themselves. Uh, it's refreshing to hear from a front office exec, but how do the Chiefs kind of get that out of their game and get that out of their organization as they try and rebound from this one? Yeah, man, just uh, it continues to go back to this, man. Just getting rid of that uh, over-arrogance, uh, sticking to the fundamentals, um, you know, not having careless mistakes as far as, you know, end of the first half, you know, maybe being a little too greedy there. Maybe you just kick the field goal there. Um, <laughs> maybe you just uh, don't continue to do these RPOs. I've been, I've been kind of critical of those as well. Let me get on that. The RPO game has been very, very spotty with the Chiefs, especially the second half of the year, because the thing with the RPOs is, yeah, obviously you have to get the ball out quick because the offensive linemen are going downfield. And I've noticed it seemed like nobody is open in those first two seconds. And Mahomes is holding the ball, holding the ball. He's like, oh, crap, I have to throw it because if I don't throw it soon, we're going to get a, a down the field penalty. But he's throwing the ball and nobody's really open. And it leads to turnovers or just errant throws. So they have to clean that up as well because that seems to be a big part of their offense. I'm not a fan of it. But things like that, man, it's just – very, very uh, self-inflicting wounds. But to me, it continues to come back to play. I know we keep harping on that. But, I mean, that's what it is. It's really that simple. I mean, it's just simple math. When they drop eight, you run the ball. I mean, I think every other team runs the ball. But it goes back to Philly days for Andy Reid, too, because I see Eagles fans. They saying, hey, he's done the same thing in Philadelphia you know, he continue, goes away from what's working, and it's just the Andy Reid thing. I don't know if we have to bring somebody in that kind of challenged Andy Reid because it seemed like he still has too much, maybe too much power, and nobody can overrule him. And maybe you need to bring somebody in there that can kind of challenge him on his uh, philosophy, man. I want to speak to that specifically because I think that's that, that's kind of what Brett Veach was getting to uh, kind of with that quote, the, the Chiefs' biggest weaknesses themselves. That could almost be an indictment of what – uh, Andy Reid has done in his, in his head coaching career in the National Football League. Uh, the the number we gave earlier with six and three with an eighteen point lead in the in the playoffs that should never happen, man. R- run the ball like like you said. The the arrogance that uh, we're going to get it done our way it, it, that has bitten you in the rear end at this point in time. You're now looking at a game in which you were the better team. Um, you played the better game in the first half and really. You had an opportunity to win it twice at the end, and then you get the ball first uh, coming out of overtime. It, it, it's sitting at your front door, and everybody shares a blame in it, yes, but uh, I, I think that quote specifically maybe talks to a little bit of, of hubris that that Kansas City had been <laughs> had been feeling. And, it, and it's going to be tough in two weeks, man, because they're going to be watching a, a, a team in Cincinnati that has their spot. Yeah, man. And then, you know, it goes back to even last year's Super Bowl. I mean, obviously the offensive line was uh, was decimated, of course, but 
they refused to bring in extra blockers. They still did their same offense, had, you know, four or five wide receiver sets, had the running back running routes. They didn't keep the running back in, didn't bring in an extra tight end, the block. They're like, oh, well, we still have a back off the offensive line, but we're still going to do our thing. Like, just, just that's just arrogant, man. Like, no adjustments. You know, you have guys that haven't played in, in, in there pretty much all year, and you refuse to give them help, especially against that D-line. I mean, the Bucks D-line is nasty. And they just made no adjustments. So, I mean, it's just been a continued trend, man, that hopefully that maybe it took this loss, that now you didn't even make the Super Bowl and you were at home against an inferior opponent. Maybe it took this, where I hate that it had to go this far, but, you know, hopefully they make adjustments moving forward, man. We're, we're moving forward here on Chiefs Coast to Coast, talking with – we're talking about Brett Veach's uh, end-of-the-year comments and a couple guys who – are looking to get paid in the offseason. One of them is safety Tyron Matthew, who's been extremely <laughs> vocal on social media about not only his time in the kingdom, but what he could bring to a potential new team. This is what Brett Veach had to say about Tyron Matthew, who was an unrestricted free agent entering 2022. Had a chance to talk to Tyron and his agent. And, um, you know, we got to the point where we said once the season ends, we'll be able to, you know, look at the landscape and, and where it's going to be at. Uh, once we get to this point in the 22 off season and where it's going to be in 23 and um, you know, we'll work through that. I know, uh, you know certainly Tyron wants to, to be here and play here and, and loves it here. And, and we certainly feel the same way. We love him. And I think we both uh, know what this, what this quote means without saying it, but what do, what do you think, Mark? I, I want you to take it first. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny, dude. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, it's clear that, Tyron Matthew is not priority number one, in my opinion, for Brett Veach, but he still is a priority. I'm not going to say he's not a priority. I mean, we're talking about a guy that is a multi-time All-Pro, uh, the leader of that defense, without question in my mind, the vocal leader, leader on the field, leader of that the back end, um, you know, emotional, obviously, but that's good, though. Good emotion. Uh, could be sometimes, you know, on Twitter, eh. You know, maybe you stay away a little bit, you know, but I love Tyron. He's my guy, man. I love Tyron Matthew. And I would love for him to retire at Kansas City Chief. But at the same time, it's a business. He's going to turn 30 this summer. And when guys get paid, and if you're a front office guy, if you're a good front office, you're not paying a guy for what he did in the past. You're paying him for what you think he's going to do for the next two or three years. You're exactly. And, you know, like I say, he's going to turn 30 years old. And do you believe he's going to be an all-pro for the next two or three years? I don't know. I'm not sure I don't have that answer. I can't predict the future, obviously, because I said bet the house. So, and that didn't go. Uh, <laughs> we know you can't predict the future. So, Come on now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, it's a tough call for me. The price has to be right. If he wants to be paid the top safety in the league, I'm sorry. You know, uh, we'll shake your hand. We appreciate what you did for us. You're, you're going to be in the Chiefs ring of honor. Uh, I think you're a future Hall of Famer, but, you know, good luck wherever you go. But I'm not paying him top safety money. I'm just not considering the other things you have to um, consider. I mean, Orlando Brown, you have to consider him. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's extension, that's a, a thing that's probably on the table this offseason. So it's a lot of other things that's on the table, wide receiver too. So, I mean, if you want to kind of give us a hometown discount, you know, I'm not saying we're going to just completely underpay you, but as far as being a top safety in the league, I, I can't go that far. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said the price has to be right because uh, this is a delicate situation. Brett Veach, I was actually on the Zoom call when he went for 45 minutes. He said multiple times, look, 
We're not picking in the top 10 and, and we're already kind of capped tough with, with where our situation is. Guys are going to have to restructure this year and, and guys who want to be here and have been a part of this championship nucleus already are going to have to take hometown deals are going to have to take team friendly deals. Tyron Matthew and the chiefs spent all of last off season uh, negotiating back and forth and seemingly couldn't come to an agreement before uh, the season started. And I believe the number was 14, four for Matthew uh, this most recent year, top flight safety, like Jamal Adams, uh, and, and some of those guys, Harrison Smith, uh, what are they talking? 20 uh, in, in that ballpark. And, and you can't pay a guy for, for what he's done before. And an absolute excellent point by you. Uh, the Chiefs are, are the Chiefs are looking to continue their their reign by keeping everybody at, at a at a manageable number. Right. Mahomes deal yeah. so far has been at that rookie deal, has been in that manageable number. Now his deal is going to start to kick in. Guys around, as you mentioned, like Orlando Brown, are going to want to start to get paid. Uh, I think Tyron Matthew is going to end up being a, a, a cap casualty. That, that That's my personal opinion, I think, especially from what we heard from Brett Veach. Listen, the, the best way that I can explain it, uh, I am a, a huge LeBron James fan. He is my favorite athlete of all time. He is my guy. And I will fight and argue to the depths, to the end about LeBron James. LeBron James against the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals, I have nothing for. I can't say anything. I have You're no argument. talking about argument. when J.J. Barea locked him down? I have no argument. Yes. He just, went, he just went and stood in the corner. He just stood in a corner and didn't do anything. Like, like I mean, he, it, it, it was like he became in the latter stages of the series like somebody you'd never seen before. And you're like, what is going on? Like, what? He's just going. He is a guy who loves to dominate the ball and make plays for others. And hell, even if he doesn't want to shoot, even if he's not feeling confident in his shot, he's still going to take the ball and you know and try to get people. In. He just ran and stand in the stood in the corner and said, "Dwayne, please take it." And so I like, I can't explain that one. I, I'm a, I'm gonna try to go to the Golden State series where he led everybody in every single category. I'm gonna go to the, the Lakers in the bubble. I'm gonna go. That game against Dallas, he should have five rings. I don't know what that was about. I can't explain that. That was what that was. That was Patrick Mahomes Dallas series. I don't know what that was. I did. I can't put it on the play calling the the the, the Bengals. Like you did a great job of switching some things up, but it wasn't like you switched something up where people like I'm I'm watching people open right off the bat like a and he's and he's. I mean, he's out here running around, running around backwards and make you think, good God, man, these guys are covering the hell out of these guys for 15 seconds. I just I can't explain it. And you mentioned the play calling, Ron, and that's something else I I did want to get into, because the RPOs, this has become the thing right in the NFL. Everybody's excited about RPOs. Well, Mahomes ain't good at them. Like we we just gotta admit this right now. He's just he's just for whatever reason, I, I cannot explain this, Ron. He doesn't seem to read them well. And on Sunday, I'm not kidding when I say, I think three out of every four RPOs, he read it wrong based on at least what the rules are that you would typically expect them to read them upon. And maybe he it's a predetermined read and that, that's the way that it goes. But the way that you would expect them to read them, Ron, if you would typically, like based on the rules, 
give it to the running back, he threw it. If you would typically throw it, he gave it to the running back. It was strange. It was as if he was guessing wrong almost every time. It's like if you flipped a coin and 10 different time you, times you guessed heads and all 10 or eight out of 10, maybe it was, it would land on tails. It was strange. I, I can't even explain that part either. So it was from top to bottom, all of it. Because I know there's a lot of people today that are having the conversation about, oh, they should have run the ball more. Well, I a lot of those plays that, that you wanted to run, it Pat's was because Mahomes was running an RPO and he's making that decision. Like, that's not exclusively on Andy Reid. A lot of the Chiefs running game is based on RPOs. And, and you can disagree with that. And I do. I think that they are too good of a running team, too good of an offensive line to to minimize their running game the way that they do. However, this is the offense. It's the one that they installed with Patrick Mahomes. And so I have a I've understood that. And in the second half, when you wanted them to run more, it wasn't necessarily Andy or Eric Bieniemy that was calling those passing plays that a lot of you hated. In a lot of the situations, it was actually Mahomes that was making that decision. So if you're going to be critical about that part, at, let's at least be accurate on who to be critical of in those moments. Yeah, yeah, we heard that a lot, right? I'm glad you go to that point of, you know, the, the Chiefs are averaging six, seven yards a carry and all this and that, and they won't run the ball. This is why I say squarely on Pat. Pat is making, a, as you said, making a lot of those decisions in, in the RPO game. And listen, I'm not mad at it, though. Like, hold on, I, 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 let's calm down. Like, we go into the game and we say, who do we want making the decisions? Who do we who who do we want the ball to be in the hands of? Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the one to sit here and complain about running after I just said last week when Tyreek Hill ran the ball to the 16 yard line and you had a chance to really put the game away in three straight plays. You took the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and just handed it off, and then it, it ended up with Blake Bell running some sort of option to the short side of the field. I'm not going to come around back and say, in the second half, you're going to – no, even if he is struggling. Like, you, the, the thought is he's going to make the right decision. He's going to make the right call, and the RPO is made perfect for the scenario the Chiefs were in the second half. Just move the ball and get first downs. Like, I'm not, we don't need big plays. And the RPO game generally centers into so there's going to be a running lane open. There's going to be a passing lane open. They're like, they're, there's going to be like this option of something where I can get something quick five yards, six yards, either running the ball or a quick pass or whatever. Like, that is made for let's just use the clock, get in field goal range, score points. Like, that is a. Perfect to what you want to do when you're up 21 to 10 in the second half of a game. But Patrick Mahomes, instead of doing an RPO, he pulls it out and tries to throw the ball through nine people to Demarcus Robinson and throws it right to like I don't I don't, I don't like I like that is that, that 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 gets me here. Like all of a sudden you don't yeah, even if they were passing the ball, that's what you do. Well, you're gonna stop running plays for Magic Johnson. Are you going to stop running plays for, for Shaq? No. Shaq it's can't shoot free throws. Going, oh, oh, my God. DeMarcus, catch his ball. Catch his ball. Hang uh, on. You make a play for the love yeah, of God, okay. DeMarcus. Yeah, like he was like that. Like the football had some sort of mutant powers and could just go through people <laughs> or something. Like he, like I just like when people are complaining about they should have run the ball more when you're, when you're getting seven. I don't care. I don't give a damn if they're getting nine yards to carry. The playmakers for your team to get to the Super Bowl are Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Unless you're going to sit back around and hand off to them 
the, the, the way you get the ball to them is throwing it to them. And Patrick Mahomes just decided that in that game, he just couldn't execute a damn thing. Now, I'm not putting that on, on the coaches for putting the ball in their hands. Like I said, we're going to stop. Yeah, you know what? Shaq can't shoot free throws. So instead, man, let's start running these plays for Rick Fox. Or let's <laughs> let's get it in here to Samaki Walker and get it to him instead uh, of giving it to Shaq because he struggles the free throw line. Hell no. You got here by, by using Patrick Mahomes. You got to give him the ball. Smocky Crazy Walker reason. was the second choice after uh, Rick Fox, huh? Yep. Uh, that was the one we go one to there. Yep. I, I, yep. I respect that. Um, I should be clear. I am not criticizing them for throwing in the second half. Like, I want to oh, make wow. sure that that is totally out there because I think the people that are doing that, like, God bless you. I respect it. We can all have disagreements in sports. This is the, the candy store of entertainment, right? You hear that, BK? Get the ball to, to McKinnon. What? I think that is insane. Like the idea that the Chiefs lost because they put the ball, like let's do the say it out loud test, right? Instead of putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, who, by the way, I just mentioned, had one of the greatest first halves we've ever seen from him. Instead of putting it in his hands, we wanted to give it to the guy who during the regular season wasn't healthy enough more often than not to shoot up. And then when he was, was more often than not covering kicks and punts in Jarek McKinnon. I like Jarek McKinnon. I think he was really good in the playoffs for this team. He added an element that they needed in the running game and also in the passing game. He served his role well, and he served exactly that role on Sunday that he was supposed to serve. He is not the featured element of the offense, and neither is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who all season long, I feel like Chiefs fans were critical of for not being what they expected him to be. Now... In the biggest moment of their season, in the, the AFC ball. championship game against the Bengals, we are saying we felt more comfortable with the Chiefs giving the ball to those two guys, McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, over putting it in Patrick Mahomes' hands to potentially get the ball to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I just don't agree with that assessment. I would have done exactly what they did, which is throw more often than not in the second half. Now it failed. It didn't work. And that's because Patrick Mahomes didn't come through in the biggest possible moment. But if you're telling me that the Chiefs have to go down with the ship somehow, I'm not going down with McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm going down with Patrick Mahomes. And they put it in the hands of Mahomes to make the decisions on a mm -hmm. lot of it. Not just dropbacks, but RPOs. You put it in his hands to make the decisions. He was just horrific in decisions and when he had – like, like it's one thing if they were dropping back and here what – like he didn't have anybody to throw the like there was no openings. There were like it was people open. <laughs> like go back, go back and drive yourself crazy if you want to and go watch some of these routes and start pausing them about a second or two uh after the snap and start saying, Oh, but he could have just hit that right there, move the chains. Like he could have just hit that right there. But uh, but no, I mean I, I I it was it was it was pat. It was pat. He's all right. He, go ahead. He, uh, as I say, he he's also the guy that like you can't prepare for that. No. <laughs> like you, you can't prepare for the way that second half unfolded because he's the reason you're in four consecutive AFC champions. And you always think he'll get it back yeah. at some he's point. The, like, he's know. the reason you've won Super Bowls and you went to back-to-back -back Super Bowls and thought you were going to go to a third straight one. There's no way to prepare for what happened with his decision-making in the second half of that game. And, and, and any part of the game, there's no way to do it.